time to add some spice to your nooner. Nooner. <laughs> Funny. This is the place where big-time guests, bold opinions, and little cute doggies come together. This, this is Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome in on a Wednesday here, Rothman and Ice. Anthony Rothman, Maddie Ice, hey, CB in his saddle. We are sponsored by your local Pella window and door showroom on Gemini Parkway. Boys, how we feeling? You know, everything's feeling all right. I got to admit, the calves are a little tight right now. Last couple days, been honing in Cleveland? on the leg, on leg workouts. So I busted out some lunges the other day. Combine that with some calves. And this morning, when I woke up to pee at about 3 in the morning. When I woke It was a bad experience because I was not expecting the pain that came over my calves. So that's the only thing I got to complain about today is the calves are a little tight, man, but I'm putting in work because it's short season. Well, maybe you buried the lead. Maybe what you should really be complaining about is the enlarged prostate. Um, that, that may be something a little more than Johnny Drama's calf implants, oh, which man. it sounds like you went for. Uh, that, that's fine. I mean, you know, Maddie. Listen, whatever whatever makes you feel better. Damn, you know, when you said when you came to me and said you needed to borrow money, I said, "What do you need this money for? Are you in trouble?" You said, "No, it's nothing like that. It's an elective surgery." <laughs> and then I said, "What are you, are you getting getting your nose done or something?" <laughs> no implants, calf implants. <laughs> and you know what I said? You're sicker than I thought. Exactly. Um, so we a team of doctors over there, and we're going to get this thing figured out. You know, it was about eleven fifty eight, and I was back in the uh, little turtle kitchen. With our uh, chefs, sure. Rusty chefs, and Carl. Sure. Yeah, now I've got two of them. Now i got a team. <laughs> team of chefs. It's a beautiful witch. And, and I'm back there, and I'm cooking up my lunch, because now I have free reign. And I look at my phone, and it's 11.58. And I look at them, and I go, oh, man, I, I, I guess i got to jump on the air. And I come back, and then I realized that Bo and James wanted to do the first segment of our show. So... <laughs> I had plenty of time. It was awesome. Now, let me tell you what I got right in this cellophane bag in front of me. One cellophane bag, all right, mm-hmm. that I can talk about in the air. So we did. We went knee-deep on that cobbler pie thing yesterday, and yes. I, don't, I don't have any of that today. But I'm going to give you a little bit of an unsung thing about the cobbler, and then we can put it to bed. Then I'll tell you what I have in the cellophane bag. Okay. Uh so when you put that ball of vanilla ice cream on that heated cobbler, mm. cobbler is served in a bowl. Okay. And what you're going to get, and this was the underrated part of it that I didn't have time to get to yesterday, maybe the tiebreaker. When that ball of ice cream starts to melt over that hot cobbler, that triple berry cobbler, sure. you're going to get what we call a little bit of an ice cream soup dessert. It's going to go into that bowl and then you're going to be able to get melted ice cream with the cobbler. The ball of ice cream on the piece of pie, the a la mode, mm. then just turns into a vanilla river and on the plate. And you can't quite scoop it up anymore. And so I believe that is a very unsung part of the argument that I didn't bring to the table yesterday. Now... I can rest my case. Well, here's my issue with that is are we assuming that everyone automatically always wants ice cream with both cobbler and pie? I feel you turn it down. Well, that's a great question because I know I'm not, but that's a good question. That's a good thing that you brought to the table because that does become an issue. But if you're a guy like me 
who still has some of his childhood in him when it comes to food mm-hmm. things. I don't want anything touching. I've been that guy since I was five <laughs> years old. So I've got the pie on one plate and the ice cream in a bowl. And I don't have me. to worry about that problem. I don't want anybody touching my stuff. Exactly. And I don't want anybody touching me. <laughs> Lighten up, Francis. All right. Here's what I have in the cellophane bag. What do you got? Ta- you talked about the kettle chips yesterday. Mm. Uh-oh. And my boy here at Little Turtle. Man. Andy, affectionately known as Ox, heard about the kettle experience. Now, he goes on personal runs late at night, Mm. goes to different places of the Tri-County area. I'm not really sure. But he brought back a deep, robust kettle classic that I have never tried in my life. And I don't even know if I'm pronouncing this brand right. It's called Utz, U-T-Z. Okay. This is a dark russet crisp potato chip that's looks like he they're homemade maddie in the bag here is a is a crisp kettle chip that puts all others to shame i i can't even believe how good they are i am so happy that Mm. you brought the get after it crunch it up because i'm so happy that you brought this up because I just talked about my childhood and how I still have some of that in me. Well, the brand Uts is what I grew up on in Baltimore. Wait, you know this brand? This is all the only... When I tell you that when I used to go to my grandma and grandfather's house, she had a snack drawer. All grand, grandmothers mm. they usually have a snack drawer or snack cabinet you love as a kid. She had it fully stocked, kid you not, with... The 25 cent chip bags that we can all get, all Uts. That's all I grew up on. The green and yellow salt and vinegar bag used to crush those. The original red, white, and blue bag. This was an East Coast thing. And so when I okay. moved to Ohio, Not when here. I was younger with my parents, I remember us searching high and low everywhere around Columbus for Uts and we couldn't find them. And recently over the years, they have been sprinkled in. So I'm all in on Uts. This was the chips I grew grew up on as a kid. I love that you're smashing. Love it. It's like it's our dream. It's a well-done potato chip that's not, that doesn't, like, it's not a limp chip. This is a crispy, dark, russet potato chip Mm. that comes out of the bag like we cooked it ourselves. Oh, my goodness. Because you and I, when we had back in the day, <laughs> going to those Blue Jacket games, Sweet Nights, which feels like years ago now when everything was normal, that was the A1 winner for us up there yeah. in the suite. Okay. You and I, we had to make oh, sure that gone. we had we those kettle trips in the building. Here's the deal. Carp isn't here to eat on the show anymore and talk, so I had to do it for him today. We missed that. I miss so forks and knives say, right? clank, clanking. I miss pallets being, you know, cleansed on the air. And so I had to pick up the ball and run with it today. (laughs) Forks Uh, hitting his glass bowl. You can hear that in the background. (laughs) Um, Maddie, um, listen, um, hey, Shefty, um, let me ask you this. Um, Hang on. Let me get, hey, Shefty, let me ask you this, this, Shefty. Um, You know, when it comes to the draft, um, there we go. Uh, we'll have Shefty on at 12.33. We'll have Torts on before CBJ1 at 1 o'clock. At 1. Yeah, at <laughs> 1. That's what I meant. CBJ Air Force 1 at 1. Yeah. Before they jump down to the big D, uh, we'll have Shane P. Hallam on at 2.33. Not Alex P. Keaton, but Shane P. Hallam of Fake Pigskin. We'll get all of your 
draft ins and outs. You'll be a big hit with your friends after you hear that segment. And we have a little bit of breaking news in the NFL, and it's not good. And it's not about Deshaun Watson. Um, So apparently there's a story out there now that Aaron Donald, the L.A. Rams super stud defender, has been accused of assault, and his alleged victim has been hospitalized for broken bones and bad cuts. And what I saw on this picture, a Rocky Balboa-esque eye. Mm Mm-hmm. That is swollen shut. Um, the The report is that this guy named Spriggs accidentally bumped into Donald. This is how his lawyer, I think, is telling the story. Bumped into Aaron Donald inside of a nightclub. And they say they got into it, and both of them were asked to leave the club. And then as his lawyer spells it out, I believe, that that Donald then got aggressive with Spriggs outside and ultimately, they say, attacked him. Uh, He says he submitted a formalized statement to the cops, told that uh, his client is seeking a criminal investigation now into Aaron O'Donnell. As for the injuries, looks like lacerations that required 16 stitches, uh, broken eye socket, they're claiming, broken nose, serious injury to his arm, and a concussion amongst the severe trauma. This is a, a pretty big deal. He went to the hospital right after the attack. The Rams are aware of it. Uh, they say, as normal, collecting info, no further comment at this time. So this is pretty big news out of Pittsburgh where this happened and claims he was assaulted over the weekend by Aaron Donald. Um, this is a The photo of him is gruesome. Yeah. And this was at an after-hours club. I don't know which one, but this is being reported by the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Which makes sense. Uh, you talk about the location, right? Mm-hmm. Where you know Donald's mm-hmm. a Pittsburgh guy from that area and all of that stuff. So back home, you know, at his old stomping grounds, and this ain't good. Obviously, I mean, we can all uh, get to that point to where when you see the the picture that's out there, it's scary stuff, man. Because the, these dudes, these professional athletes, they're just built completely different than all of us walking around. Uh, in the normal world, these guys are freak shows. And when you combine that with a little aggression and a little testosterone and dudes trying you and you feel like, you know, you're putting, being tried or put in the spotlight or something like that, a little bit of ego probably came out and this is what happens. I've seen this a ton of times being out with my friends where not just former athletes or athletes at the time, but just dudes in general, uh, just get into it out at the bar and at the club and things like this. So this is, Scary stuff, man, because you look at the damage that he did, and, you know, I don't know how this ended, but, man, if Aaron Donald was in the mindset of really trying to get after this dude, that could have really gone down a worse path than what it is now when you talk about all the injuries that you laid out and the 16 stitches and everything. It's just scary stuff because you can go pull up a picture of Aaron Donald right now, and he doesn't look like your normal defensive lineman. That dude is absolutely shredded. So for one of the faces of the league, uh, to be involved with something like this, obviously not a good thing. And it's it's hard for these guys, I have to imagine, to be put in some of those environments and deal with guys coming at them and all that. But they just got to know better. You got to just be able to walk away. And that's not how they're wired because when dudes are out there on the field and they're coming after, you can physically assault someone on a football field and get away with it. 
just got to be able to turn that switch off. So when we get more details, we'll maybe yeah. we'll be able to hone in more on this story. But on the surface right now, uh, it does not make one of the best players in the NFL look good at all. No, it doesn't. And there's no way to really comment on it. All I see is the picture, and it looks awful. I mean, we have no idea whether Donald's going to claim some kind of defense on this or whether somehow he was antagonized enough to have to fight back. We have no idea. There'll be witnesses that'll be questioned. Yep. And then that will tip it one way or the other, probably. You know, you have to assume that these guys weren't alone outside, that when it spilled outside, they had people with them. So that'll be what will be investigated, and then the Rams will have to deal with that, and then Donald will have to deal with it. But you're right. There's no way really to dissect it because we weren't there. And, you know, your mind wanders a million places. Like, did he know who he was? Did he start up something with him? Mm -hmm. Did Donald just blow a gasket and and – the guy wouldn't let up on it. The guy didn't say sorry. Who knows what right. kind of mindset he was in. Well, we have no idea whether you know either one of them were inebriated at the time. Like You just don't know. But we do know when a guy who's worth up to $135 million walks through that club, you know who he is. For sure. And, and there's a, you know, that's... Especially in a hometown. Know, yeah, <laughs> right? especially in Pittsburgh where he's born and raised. So that's, you're right. Uh, and, and here's the other thing. Did he know the guy? Who knows? We don't know. Maybe. If it was just sure. a stranger or not. All right, we'll come back. There is a guy who played a lot of games in the NFL, highly respected, who says that San Francisco is blowing smoke with that pick at three. We'll tell you about it next. Rothman and Ice in the fan. In case you haven't noticed, we have a thing about hiring former Buckeye linebackers. If we don't, they'll kill us. Bishop and Laurinaitis. Weekdays from 9 to noon. The Fan. They both like to go to raves with the Bosa brothers. Here's Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back. Justin Fields, second pro day. And the report now is the Falcons are there. ATL shouted. They got they got a little triumphant running in to see the kid. Yeah, man. And they're picking four. And why not? You got to show up. You got to show up for many reasons. You got to see him again in person. You got to talk to him. And you got to get it out there that you're in play for him. That's how this thing is. That's how this works. The other thing, Maddie, in a COVID, you know, in a COVID situation, these GMs all feel like, wait a minute, he's going to be there? Wait, he's going to be there? Oh, wait, we can talk? Wait, we can find it. We can get each other to kind of, you know, not tip their hand, but just. We can meet. We can all meet at Fields Pro Day and find out what everybody's thinking or at least try to read their poker faces. Uh, Joe Thomas, the great Cleveland Brown, uh, tweeted out, the great Badger, tweeted out earlier today. Let me pull it up for you. I can find Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers are going to draft Justin Fields. Save this tweet. Mm. That was our first instinct. Then when they flipped on the smoke machine, the way Maddie does at his house on a Saturday night, got that. Right. we realized that it was, wait a minute, it was Mac Jones. And you and I went, wait, what? <laughs> Mac Jones? You mean the Mac Jones who had every weapon available and doesn't move as well as Fields and, yes, is incredibly accurate? And turned out to be a an instant leader of a great team, and then started airmailing 
lobs in his pro day. That that Mac Jones. Listen, I hope the guy is good. All these guys could be good. I think, and you you and I both feel that Fields checks most of the boxes, and and that was our first instinct that they traded all that to move up. If if Lawrence and Wilson are gone, so this is going to get really interesting today. That the Panthers are apparently seven NFL teams are expected to be at his second pro day today. Seven, yeah, yeah, and the Panthers are one of them. Yeah, absolutely. And more specifically, Joe Brady is supposed to be in the building today. The young, hot OC in the streets that everybody's been talking about since Joe Burrow uh, and Jamar Chase and company blew it up a couple years ago down at LSU. So it looks like you got the Jets, the Broncos, the Patriots, Falcons, 49ers in the building. And like you said, uh, the Panthers as well, represented by Joe Brady. So I, I think what we're looking at here for me is just a – Justin Fields solidifying what we saw in pro day number one. I'd be surprised if he wasn't in his bag really putting on a good show uh, for these teams. And an interesting nugget coming out of this is that it looks like both he and Trey Lance at their round two pro days are going to be implementing kind of some 49ers offensive stuff into this pro day, which I like because I wasn't a big fan of this decision when it first came down because I didn't think Justin Fields needed to do this. Um, but if he was in touch with San Francisco or, or they heard reached out to Ohio State staff or whatever it was and said, okay, we're going to come down to Columbus for his second pro day, but can we see some of this? I think that's good mm-hmm. for Justin Fields because if they see some of what he can do specifically in their offense today and he can handle that well, I think that's going to kind of change up their mindset or should change up their mindset because you're right. You and I have been in the Fields camp. I think he's the second best quarterback in the draft, but Wilson seems to be that guy right now going to the Jets. But for the fit for the 49ers, I'm all in on this, and I'm glad and interested uh, as to why Joe Thomas threw that out there. I'm sure he's hearing some things because that's how it works around draft time. But I think Justin Fields will be just fine today. The dude's an absolute stud. We know. We saw him run that 4-4-40 where he was stumbling the first time. The athleticism's through the roof but I'm intrigued by some of these other teams that are there we've been talking a lot about Mm -hmm. the Patriots over the last couple of days and you just mentioned the 49ers but the Broncos there are the interesting one to me because I don't know how safe a guy like Drew Locke is when you're coming off a season where you threw 16 touchdowns to 15 interceptions so Justin Fields is going to take somebody's job for sure that's happening it's just a matter of when and we're going to be trying to figure out over the next couple of weeks where he's going to go and I still think that 49ers is the best location for him today and I think when John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan are over at the Woody watching this guy get busy I think it's going to uh, make their decision a lot tougher. Yeah, I know why your first instinct was not to do it because you felt like you didn't have to and it shows that you think you have to and it kind of puts you kind of in a, you know, negotiating from a point of weakness. I looked at it differently. I looked at it. They're coming to me. They're coming to me. It allows me to get my talent. First of all, you and I talked about how if you had such a great first pro day, why even take the chance of having a weaker one? Yeah, uh, and that that's real. I get sure. that, but it, but if this is more designed about this shows confidence, this shows competitiveness, this shows I, I'm not going any further down than I already am. Probably, like I can only move up in people's minds and in, in his mind, I bet. And that's why I liked it because it put his best foot forward. And they're coming to me. I'm not going to you. You're going to take the time to come see me. I'm going to put it on. And so, you know, we know he's fast. We know he's been accurate. 
you know, 70% of his passes in this offense. Yep. Um, we've seen his ability to throw on the run. We've seen his ability to throw with guys all over him. We've seen some bad stuff with guys all over him, him trying to make the hero play. Um, now, what I've seen is his – first of all, people that, that said he didn't go through his progressions, um, I, I'm not here to debate his entire season. I think his entire season did have some ups and downs in that category. I do. I think he got a lot better. I, do I think he took the easy pitch and catch on all occasions? No, he didn't. How many quarterbacks do? I thought he really improved. I thought his check down to Sermon against Clemson was exceptional. Two of them, early and late. Um, he took that shot in the hip from Skalski in the Clemson game, came back. Next play, great accuracy. Threw a strike on the run to the pylon. No doubt. I thought he took that smart. By the way, the check down I'm talking about, the third and 10 on his own 14. Uh, when I'm sorry, when they're up 14 in his own end. That's one where his instincts could have told him to force it in to try to move the chains and get the first. Instead, he took the check down and got the first anyway because of Sermon's move. So, And Ryan Day, by the way, up 21 in the fourth. What did Ryan Day do? He still trusted him to throw the home run ball. Mm-hmm. He did. And they could have locked it down there and played more conservatively. I saw this guy on a read option pitch against Michigan State race 70 yards down the field to block for a teammate who was in the clear, and I saw him outrun a senior in Elijah Collins who is 10 to 15 pounds lighter than he is. He's got it all. He's got it all. He's got it all. I'm with you. I'm absolutely with you. And when you talk about the progression stuff, why aren't we hearing that about Mac Jones? I can't imagine that dude was making too many reads this year with the weapons that he had. It's just weird to me. Uh, what we're doing to Justin Fields or what's been, not what we're doing, but what the kind of the NFL draft world has been doing to this guy, just trying to find a reason, it seems to me, to knock him down. But that's going to be their mistake. I think a ton of teams are going to miss out on this guy if they let him fall. And I think he'll end up making him pay for it because I think he's going to go to the league and just be a monster. We'll talk more about it as the day goes on. Shefty will join us next. We'll get the latest from him on the draft and movers and shakers. Rothman and Ice on the fan. All sports, all the time, and whatever it is Common Man and T-Bone do, we still don't know. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. NFL Playbook with ESPN's Adam Schefter. All right, he's the senior NFL insider for ESPN. He's our guy, Adam Schefter, and he's on the Bryant Heating Cooling Systems Fangus Hotline. Shefty, good to have you. Hello there, guys. What's going on? Uh, you tell us, is this Jadavian Clowney thing official? Is Adam Schefter stamping it official today to the Browns? Jadavian Clowney agreement on a one-year deal worth up to $10 million. They get a defensive end to line up opposite Miles Garrett, who will not draw the top offensive tackle or the type of attention that he has elsewhere. And that should free him up, if he's healthy, to have a big year in Cleveland, I would think, with Miles Garrett again dominating the attention of opposing offenses. No doubt. No doubt about it, Shefty. Uh, you know, big-time news coming out about one of the best players in the league today, Aaron Donald of the Rams. What do you know about it? What details do you have, and where do we go from here? Well, a lawyer is accusing him of allegedly assaulting one of his clients. We'll see what happens with this. Obviously, I don't know many of the details. I've just seen what is out there today. Uh, I'm sure the NFL will take a look at it. We'll see. What develops from it, if it is true, obviously he could be facing discipline over that. The NFL doesn't tolerate those types of situations, not to mention the fact that it could be criminal. 
if it's true what the lawyer is alleging. So we'll see what comes of that again early in the process right now. Uh, let me let me take it back to Clowney just for a quick second. You know, everyone wants to know about. We are assuming that the knee injury that he had, where he missed half the season, um, is okay. He passed through that. And just your thoughts on the deal in general. I know the Browns wanted to either get this done before the draft or not because, you know, they're picking 26. And I, I, like you said earlier in your comment, which I think is appropriate, about that, that it could affect what they do there. Um, was there any leverage on Clowney's side? Was it, you know, the Browns are bust here in a, in a way before the draft? I think they were the most interested team. They were interested last year. I think some other teams had some concerns about his knees, and I think there were some health issues there. And I think Cleveland was willing to roll with him and take a chance on him. And so you give him a deal here worth up to the $10 million. And, again, uh, if you're right and you hit, it's a great deal. And if you're not, okay, well, have some cap space, need some defensive help. Uh, let's line up another former number one overall pick with another former number one overall pick at both edges of the defense, and there you go. You know, Chef, the last couple of days we, we've been kind of locking into some of these mock drafts since we're inching closer and closer to the draft on the 29th, and we've been discussing the Patriots recently involved with Justin Fields and Kuyper and some other guys in the business have had the Patriots moving up. Uh, into the top 10, maybe even to the top five to grab a quarterback. Are you hearing any of that from New England's camp or people around the league that New England is interested in moving up? Let me ask you a question. If the Patriots were, and I have no indication that they are, how would people around the league know that? Well, that's a great question. And I would, that's a question I would want to ask you since you're ta- you're tapped into people kind of behind the scenes and everything about that. I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. interesting. I'm not I'm not telling you that they can't move up because of course, like they're at Justin Fields pro day today. They're watching him work out. Sure. For all we know, they love Justin Fields, and then they make a move up from 15 to whatever it is to go get him if they really like the guy. Um. Uh. Um. Second, I'm just texting somebody. Um. And so my point is that if New England were working on moving up as San Francisco were, did you hear anything in advance about San Francisco moving up? It just came out of nowhere. Yep. Would you be more or less likely to hear anything about New England moving up? You'd be less likely. So people are just saying that. That's exactly what it is. They're just saying it. Any team could move up that's in the quarterback market, just speculatively, right? So – if a certain quarterback falls to a certain spot, yeah, I'm sure New England would consider that. But New England hasn't moved up much. It certainly doesn't have a history of telegraphing its plans. And so all that is is us just spitballing whether it would be worth it. And we don't know the quarterbacks that would slide or who they would like. And so I think it's safe to say New England's in the quarterback market. It's still looking. It still has not fully addressed its questions at the position. And we're going to find out what the Patriots do there. Yeah, I told Maddie the other day that I, I think this is certainly a draft day thing that could happen. The Patriots, I think, are in a move where, like, I said to Matt the other day, Shefty, that they can't get higher than three. <laughs> so no one's leaving those three spots. So the Patriots aren't going to make some big move not knowing who they can get. 
they almost have to wait till the draft comes to them a little bit. And let's say they are interested in Fields. And Fields does drop past Denver at 9. Well, now New England may pick up the phone and say, you know what, Jerry Jones? Um, we're interested in moving up to your spot. Is that how you see these things happening? Because I'm with you. It's, you know, there's no way they can get up to where they could guarantee Fields anyway because here's the other thing. We don't know who San Francisco really is going to take. So, you know, I, I think, do you agree that, that Lawrence and Wilson are as locks as locks get without knowing? Or, or is number two still in play? Uh, look, that's why San Francisco is traveling around right now, right? And so we don't know ultimately what they will decide. Um, we do know that uh, they like Mac Jones. They like Trey Lance, and I think they're intrigued with Justin Fields. So let's let it play out, um, and we'll see how it works out. Can we officially put the Russell Wilson stuff to bed? Because that was a thing not too long ago, and it seems to have calmed down here recently. Everything you're hearing, is everything okay up there in Seattle with Russell and the relationship with everyone involved with the decision-making? Well, I, I would just say this, that um, it's, it's certainly quieted down. It doesn't seem like there's something brewing on the horizon right now. But I'm not ready to just write it off just yet. I'm not ready to write it off and say, oh, that, that's not happening. I, it doesn't look like it's happening. I, I haven't heard a sense around the league of people expecting it to happen. But it was out there, and a lot of teams filled their quarterback needs and until the draft comes and goes, um, and, and and nothing, I, I I always reserve the right to change my mind and be aware that something always could happen. Again, am I expecting it? Not right now. Are people on? No. Is it as hot button front and center as it was a month ago? No, no. It seems to have died down absolutely. But I don't. I don't, I don't just say okay. Well, that's it. He he's safe. It's, I don't say that. Uh, we saw Julian Edelman retire. Uh, it was quite a production and a lot of emotion to walk out to Foxborough and, and get in the director's chair and kind of take a look around at his career. Um, what a what a phenomenal football player! Just all he did was bring it every single game. All he did was get open. He was so reliable. He was clutch. Great athlete coming in. Certainly, he was paired with maybe the best to ever do it. But uh, when it's all said and done, is he done, do you think? I know Gronk threw out something funny to TMZ saying, yeah, I could see him down in Tampa you know, in a year or whatever. But what you know about his situation, a guy who's going to turn 35 next month and only played six games last season with a chronic knee, uh, yeah. you don't see this thing uh, where, he, where he reclines on the lazy boy for a year and says, I'm going to give it another shot. How do you feel about his retirement? Um, I, I'm not- it's retirement. Now, look. Uh, could his knees heal up? Yeah, but I, I think he was pretty beaten up. I think his knees are in bad shape. And, and I think that that's why he's walking away from the game and not going to Tampa like the rest of the former Patriots to play with Tom. And I know that was the immediate reaction on social media. Oh, yeah, he's going to Tampa. Um, but that's um, – I don't believe that's the case. And um, – uh, 
and we'll see how that plays out. All right, big guy. Good stuff, man. We are uh, inching to the draft, so yeah, we'll uh, keep you uh, on speed dial, buddy. Uh, well, yeah, and I'm coming to your town. How about that? You're coming to Columbus or going to the draft in Cleveland? In Cleveland. No, where your your okay. state? Well, you're close. Yeah, right. Yeah, you're inside two hours. Yeah, yeah, you are there. Nice. All right. So, well. Uh, if uh yeah, I was gonna say that uh if we go we'll we'll connect somehow, but uh we will be in touch, man. We appreciate your insight and we'll uh we'll hit you next week. That'd be great guys. Look forward to it. Thanks for having me today. We'll talk next Wednesday. Be well, stay safe, talk soon. You Thanks, got it. Steve. That's Adam Schefter on the Brian Heating Coin Systems Fangus Hotline. We'll come back since the clowny news broke right before we hit uh that segment, we'll come back and react a little bit to that. And since there's all this talk about Edelman and Hall of Fame, which I can't, I, I think it's a disservice to him. I told you yesterday, I don't like when a guy gets, you know, has a great career and the instant reaction is, well, he's not a Hall of Famer. Like, wow, can you celebrate his career for a second before you just throw water on, on Hall of Fame stuff? And I don't think he is, but I, that wasn't my point. But there was another guy that has kind of used the Edelman argument to bolster his argument. Tell you about that next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. This is Ohio State football coach Ryan Day on your home for Buckeye football, the fan. Ohio sports destination. Insightful and thought-provoking sports conversation for your lunch hour. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back in. Uh, we'll have towards top of the hour here before they take off for Big D. Got a young little signing that they're going to put in, Josh Dunn. And they'll get to play out the string with some young dudes and get them some ice time. I saw that LaShawn McCoy, uh, as you like to say, was dunking on Julian Edelman for no good reason. I, I just, I think he's using this to bolster his, I don't know whether he thinks there's some energy behind Edelman into the Hall of Fame because he was a Patriot and the postseason numbers, and I think LaShawn's saying, well, wait a minute, I, I was credible in the regular season. I led the league at my position in a couple different ways, and I don't think he's wrong. I think LaShawn McCoy is as close as you can get as a running back with still kind of teetering on the brink of being a Hall of Famer. Not many running backs get in anyway. He played in a running back era that was less emphasized in my mind and usually i gotta look him up man i think he's an 11k guy right he's 22nd all time yeah in rushing right there kind of sandwiched between john riggins and oj simpson or some of the names around him and oj and john riggins did get in both right around eleven thousand. he can catch oj uh right there if he continues to play it's interesting because that's where my mind Mm -hmm. went too is Lashawn mccoy's case to get in because he said quote i think i've got a good shot at it i put my numbers up with any other running back in my decade i was the lead dog i've got 
Good numbers, touchdowns, yards, yards per carry, all those things. And he's a two-time Super Bowl champ now going back-to-back since he was on Kansas City's roster last year and he rocked out with Tom Brady and company this year. So he definitely has a, a very, very uh, strong case, a part of the kind of all-decades team, the 2010s team. He was a, a part of that. And the dude was a monster from 2010 to 2017. 1,000 yards each uh, in every season but two. And in those two seasons that he didn't hit a 1,000 yards, he only played um, 12 games. So I absolutely think he's got a very strong case to get into the hall, especially if he can get after OJ and maybe some other guys above him. Where What is he up to now? Is he going to get any floating. carries? I think he's just floating, I believe, yeah. for a free agent at the moment. And it's funny because I, I, when I saw that he was a back-to-back Super Bowl champ, I said, wait, where, where was he? And then he was in well, Kansas yeah. City <clears throat> Tampa. and Tampa, not making yeah. a big impact, but he's got no. those rings. And when that resume comes across a little PowerPoint for some of those voters or however, however this works, uh, I think he absolutely has a case, a legitimate case to get up in Canton. Well, you'd think they'd be smarter than that as far as using that as a tiebreaker if he didn't, he didn't impact either one. And so, but this not to take away from LaShawn McCoy because you heard me. I, this dude led the, led the league at his position in rushing. He led the league at his position in touchdowns during his career in a season. And he cracked the 11K mark. And let's not forget, he's a 500 catch guy. Yep. So he's got the numbers. Usually, you got to be right around the 12K mark to kind of really put it out of question. And he's got a chance to do that. And so I feel like he could get to the top 20. And if he passes Riggins and passes OJ, then I think he's going to have a really good chance to get in and probably should. Probably should. I think there's only a couple dudes in there that don't have 12K that did get in. I think Terrell Davis is one of them who had a much bigger postseason impact than McCoy had. But I think what McCoy was doing here was saying that quit talking about just his, you know, postseason catches and stuff like that. You know, I did it for a long time and I did it really well. I'm kind of sad that he's using Edelman's career as a booster seat because they didn't they're not the same position. Edelman didn't retire a running back. So I don't know why McCoy's comparing himself to him. Plus, Edelman's career, as we've talked about, while it was remarkable in a lot of ways, falls short of the Hall of Fame. So, you know, I, I just found that weird. Did you? That, well, that, he, that he brought up Edelman's name as far as, well, I got a better shot than he does. I guess he was asked about it. So if he was responding, I'm okay with him, you know, wrapped up in an interview over the last couple of days. And if someone asked him whether he thinks Julian Edelman's a Hall of Famer, I'm good with that. And I'm also okay with him making his case. Like, I'm good with that. Like, this is what you're supposed to do, latter portion of your career, where you haven't been making an impact, really, over the last few seasons. And some people may have forgotten how good LaShawn McCoy is, since we're talking about things that happened in the early 2010s, uh, yeah, early 2000s and early in the 2010s and into a chunk of like 2015 and all of that. So I get it, but you know, Julian Edelman has been getting dunked on here recently. He just needs to get his bird man on at the breakfast club and tell everybody to put some respect on his name, AR. That's it. Hockey and Hounds up next with Torts. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Unlike your deadbeat uncle, we'll never leave you stranded in a ditch when you were six. This promo may have been a touch too specific. The fan. Hockey. Hockey.
and Hounds. Release the Hounds! With Columbus Blue Jackets head coach John Tortorella. Brought to you by Telhio Credit Union. All right, great of Torts to join us before they jump on the plane to go down to Big D. This is Hockey and Hounds, brought to you by Telhio Credit Union. John Tortorella is with us. Torts, good to have you. Hey, Anthony, Matt, how are you? We're doing okay, thanks. Um, so, you know, we talked to you pre-deadline, and so now we get you post-deadline, and you were, you know, very honest about where you thought the organization was with the situation in this season. Um, but it's it's still got to be tough to say goodbye to uh, Nick Felino and David Savard and Nash. Um, let me start with Felino. Um, we had him in studio a, a while back, and when you came to town. Uh, it wasn't a foregone conclusion that, that you felt that what you saw in him spelled captain. And I yeah. asked him on the air the other day, I said, you know, what did you learn about yourself as a player, you know, trying to captain a John Tortorella team? And, and, he, and he did say that, that you did make him a better uh, person player, and he, and he went through a lot of how he felt he grew. How do you feel he he did under your uh, leadership, being your captain in that room? Yeah, I, m- I remember, maybe Nick probably told you, but the first thing I said to him that summer after my first season, because Nick was the captain when I came here, and, and I said, I just don't think, I don't think you can do it. I just don't see you as a captain. And, you know, Nick and I talked about it the other day, uh, you know, when all this was going down. He says, yeah, I remember you saying that to me. And he said, I just wanted to smoke you right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, but, I, but I needed to be honest with him. I said, but I am going to give you an opportunity. And, and you know what, guys, it's been really, I've been very fortunate uh, and honored to, uh, to watch him grow. And uh, we, we've had so many different discussions as a captain and a head coach would have through the past four or five years and some crazy stuff going on with the club that I, I just have a, a, a whole different look as far as what he is. I, I think he has skin on him. I think he, I think he's got one of the greatest hearts uh, as a person, not as a hockey player, but just as a person, a wonderful family. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm just really, I'm really happy. I was able to go through the process with him. You know, Coach, the other part of this deal was Savvy, and he goes to Tampa. And I just want to ask you, from your perspective as a coach, when you have a player like that that seems to just do a lot of the little things correct, like what was special about him as a player from your perspective getting uh, to see him on a daily basis? Yeah, the first thing to see him on a daily basis is how he walks into the locker room. That, that's a – you can't say – you know, a lot of times you can't call a guy a hockey player. He's – Savvy's a hockey player. That's all he cares about. He enjoys it so much. He enjoys being in the rink. He enjoys the practices. Uh, uh, he, he was such an influence before we even stepped on the ice as far as how you handle yourself uh, as a pro. And, uh, you know, you, you usually call forward grinders and, 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 and those type of guys. He's a grinder for a defenseman for me. It, it, where he, when he first came in, he, he had some offense to him. I, I think it – his role slowly changed in the league, and he is a guy underneath the hash marks, the blocking of shots, uh, uh, some ugliness to his game, but he just gets it done. Uh, he, he does so many things in t- for the intangibles of, as far as a locker room and how many people respect him in the room and bring the room together that, that that is going to help Tampa. I just got through talking to a beat writer in Tampa about that. 
It may take a little time for them to figure that out with Savvy, but he brings so much, not just on the ice, but in that locker room. And uh, I know the guys that have been with him here for a number of years, when he walked out the door, that, that you know, all of them, obviously, but uh, he, he's a special one as far as just how he conducted himself in the locker room. Torts with us, Hockey and Hounds, here on a Wednesday, here on Rothman and Ice, brought to you by Tell Higher Credit Union. You know, I said it on the air yesterday. You were asked after the game the other night about Patrick Laine's goal in his game. And, and he comes yeah. from behind the net like a steam train. And I said on the air, dating myself, he looked like Yari Curry. I mean, he, he was, I mean, he was determined. That's the word I use, the determination yeah. that he was going to get to that crease. Whether he scored or not, who knows? But he was getting there. And you were asked after the game, and your answer was, when he's engaged, he can be a really good hockey player. And I said to Maddie, I go, I sense almost like you wondering in your mind, if he can do that, why doesn't he do it? And I, I could yeah. be wrong. And I, I felt like when you have God-given ability, and you can define what you meant by engaged, but uh, I felt like that maybe this confidence and the shot, and all, that all comes when you do all that other stuff. And I'm just wondering if you feel like there is a determination that he has to break through still. There's no question. And, and that isn't a uh, engaged is determination. And that's not a criticism of Patty. We forget with this guy because he has such a big name in the, game, in the league and all the goals he's scored that we forget he's 22. I still think he has a process to go through of understanding engagement, understanding the determination that, that is needed in the game, uh, understanding the determination that's needed in preparation. That's not a bad thing to say. Uh, you know, people will criticize me if, you know, if they probably will criticize you. They just said it to you. That isn't a criticism. That is, that is coaching. That is part of teaching a player. That is my job. And I'm going to continue working with Eddie. We've had, him and I have had so many conversations uh, about a number of topics, and this being one of them, of what he could become. Uh, you know, he's known for all the goals. That's great. Uh, but there is so much more to the game, too. And it's not changing him as a player. It's not changing him as a goal scorer. It's trying to make him a better player. And uh, I'm going to continue to go down that road. And uh, Great kid. Unbelievable goal! One of the one of the greatest mm-hmm. goals I've seen scored in quite a while, and and, and you do you you wonder you you start wondering, man, there it is. And as a coach, you you, you say, okay, let let's let's do that. Let's do that type of determination. I have that type of determination. Your next shift and your next shift, and let's see where this really goes because he has a chance to be one hell of a hockey player in this league, not just based on goals, on maybe winning a Stanley Cup. That's what you're measured on. And uh, I think that's my job, and I'm going to keep on uh, pushing along with Patty here. And we uh, we have great communication, him and I. I'm going to keep on doing it, and uh, I hope I help him. I hope I help him as a person. I hope I help him as a player. Coach, when you lose a guy like Nick, obviously there's a chunk of leadership that leaves your, your club. As you scan the guys that are currently with you, have you locked in on it's, There are certain times in your career, certain times for an organization, you eat some shit. It's how you handle yourself as you're sitting at the table doing that. And I think that's very important as we go through this struggle that we've had this year, uh, that guys like Cam and Jonesy 
you know, they wear the letters on the jerseys now. We're not, there's not going to be another captain. They'll have the A's on. I think they've got to lead the way. I think the coaches and, and really the, the, the guys that have been here for a number of years have got to try to carry this and, and finish this year with some decency. Because uh, it's hard. I know it's hard for players when you're not playing for anything. Uh, the young kids are going to come in and play with enthusiasm. But the guys that have been, you know, through the whole role of this five years of progressing and, and then us falling off uh, this year, it, 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 it's a little bit different for them. But uh, we expect it. We hope. And we're going to keep on talking about trying to finish this year as professionals and do it the right way. Torts with us, Hockey and Hounds, here on a Wednesday uh, before they go to Dallas. I will bring this uh, dog up again because he deserves a chance, and I know you wanted me to update. I wish I had a home yet for Odin. Uh, I do not. Um, Odin is the dog from uh, a while back that you and I tried to help, and our listeners did help uh, contributing to his, his long, painful recovery. Um, after the surgery on his legs, he was a dog that unfortunately uh, was probably a backyard bred dog that had a deformity in his leg, but he is back, and he is healthy. Um, he is, he's got a sense of adventure. He's curious about his surroundings. He came to rescue Ohio. He's a, he's a very sick dog. You know, like I said, he had severe bone deformation. He had some dental problems. Um, his legs are mended. He is ready to play. He is ready to go. Um, now, because he had been cooped up in a crate wearing a cone for most of his young life, and because he has only recently gained the use of his legs, he's been a very frustrated guy. But uh, he is—he'll need to be kept kind of in a, you know, in a supply of like durable chew toys, which we can handle. Um, keep his activity because really his only form of exercise while he was healing torts was that, um, you know, chewing on things and, and trying to, to occupy his, his mind. And so, but these, but these days he's free to walk on a leash. He can play with other dogs. He can fetch toys you know, on a short distance. Um, he's not going to do any line drills from torts. He's not going to, uh, to, to do any of that stuff, but he is, uh, He's a he's a suitable companion for a lot of people, and and while we don't want to be forced to run or do anything extreme on weight bearing exercises right now, he is an awesome dude. He's like a uh, I would call him like a maybe an American bulldog type mix. He's gray and white. Um, he's just a, a beautiful boy, and I want to put him out there again, and I'm going to continue to push for him. These are the ones I told you that we can't just say once. And hope these yeah. are the ones we have to kind of put out there again, and and so he's very dog friendly. He's lived with both male and female dogs of all sizes. He wanted to play with all of them. Uh, in fact, he lives with a foster brother, um, and they're best friends. So they they play and chase and have little wrestling matches in the backyard. So um, I want people out there to consider adopting Odin. And if you do, I will be with you along for the ride with Odin. I care that much about this dog, and I know. Uh, we have your support and you're backing him. And so Odin is our guy still, and we got to get him a home. Oh, my fingers crossed with that. I still have a picture of him on my phone. So, uh, yeah, I hope, I hope, hope someone, uh, I hope it connects. Keep on pushing it, Anthony. Yep. We will. I, these are specific needs dogs sometimes. And so, uh, we want to consider applications that give him what he needs. 
and it's forever home. So I'm, I'm not telling anyone not to apply. I'm just saying if, if, if he does require a home, we, we'd like to have him in a fenced-in yard if we can. And then uh, we'll set up some meet and greets, and, and we can arrange and approve an adopter and, and get him the home he deserves. But if you're someone out there that's looking for a great dog um, that, that needs a little bit of uh, extra observation at times, he's your guy. He's a true underdog, and he deserves a great life. So Odin is our man today, our Hockey and Hound celebrity dog, and we hope to get him adopted. So I hope to have some good news for you in the next week or two. Yeah, and hey, keep it in mind, and uh, and Christina and I have done this a number of times, is regarding if someone is without a fence but is really interested in Odin, mm-hmm. that's something that uh, we can help out with as far as through our foundation. We've, we've done it many times in many parts of the country here. Sometimes that's what it is. It, it, it's just having an availability to keep the dog in the yard. And so uh, I want to put that in there with you. We will... We will certainly help with that if someone's interested in Odin, and that's the catch point as far as lack of fence or, 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 or an area to keep them in. That's awesome. Thanks. That's, that's great to hear, and uh, we know that's what you're about. So thanks, Torts. Uh, have a nice trip. Be safe, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, boys. Be safe. Be well. Thanks, thanks Coach. John Tortorella, brought to you by Tell Higher Credit Union, uh, putting people ahead of profit since 1934 here on Hockey and Hounds as the Jackets uh, head out, head down to Dallas. You know, I thought your leadership question was a smart one because, um, you know, it's kind of late in the year, you know, to kind of just throw a captain, you know, to say sure. have a, a pseudo captain. Uh, we know the names. We know the guys that, that are in that room still with, with, you know, Cam and Seth and, you know, Boone now being injured who obviously can't play. And yeah. so there's a, um, this, they haven't gone through this in a while. And it's weird. And I almost think that, you need to, to understand the reality of that. Like, wow, haven't had to be sellers in a while. That's pretty good. And so they'll have to retool. This is the National Hockey League. No one's waiting for anybody. Yep. Um, you know, have they figured out the goalie situation? It didn't seem like any of that really got filtered out this year. You know, Elvis had been injured at times. Gorpy yeah. had gotten dinged up. Um, you know, they didn't have a, they had some consistency early with kind of going back and forth, but you know, as, um, who told us the other day that we had on, oh, Miguelic had told us about, you know, Tarasov, you know, who, who might be, uh, a young Russian that they might have some thoughts about, you know, but you know, there's a, there are a lot of questions still, but now they get the picks and the beauty about the Felino thing, it's, listen, you never want to trade a guy like that if you can help it, but they had to do it, mm-hmm. you know, and he gets to go play for a cup. And the way he made it sound like on our show was that he would welcome the opportunity to have that as an option of, of retiring his jacket and coming back, yeah. you know, and finishing his career. So we'll see what happens with his opportunities. And he may have some after Toronto. Right. Um, as far as Savvy, you knew you had to trade him. Once you became sellers, once the playoffs were out of reach or you felt the mindset was out of reach, that's a guy that you cannot lose for nothing. And I hated to trade him because he's an identity guy. And like you said, he's, like Torch said, that is a hockey player. Mm-hmm. And those are the guys you want on your team. But you're not going to, he's just going to command too much money and have the opportunity to probably make too much for the Jackets to be in this mode um, to let him go for nothing. Um, so the, both those trades were necessary and both of them brought back some good stuff. Think about this if you trade Felino to get picks, and then you eventually get him back at a lower rate. 
then you've won both. So <laughs> that absolutely works out. No, I was just curious about the leadership stuff because obviously a guy like Torts can set the tone for what he wants in a locker room. But the captain, man, he's the guy. He's the guy that, you know, is probably the voice when Torts isn't around or head coach is around. And uh, to see who steps up and grabs a hold of that moving forward is definitely going to be interesting. Obviously, could be Nicky with that door uh, seemingly to be left open just a little bit with the return. That'd be an incredible story. But somebody's got to grab a hold of this thing and say, okay, obviously this isn't where we want to be and we didn't accomplish what we wanted to this year, but we're not going to lay down and we're going to set a tone for the offseason that's going to get us into some good momentum stuff heading in to next year so it's a big deal uh, maybe not right now but it's something's got to start developing that way we can start laying the groundwork to uh, getting back to some positive things yeah all right we'll come back you know how we've talked about umpires in baseball and just how wacky they've been lately about consistency well one umpire did not strike out off the field. In fact, he cashed in. We'll tell you about it next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Buckeyes, Blue Jackets, the NFL, and fat weird guys talking about eating people. I'm hungry. Is it time to eat? It's all on the fan. Ohio's sports destination. If you're tired of hearing about Maddie's high school baseball prowess, just wait five seconds until Anthony tells stories about his amateur tennis days. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back in. Happy hump day to you, Matty Ice, <laughs> Anthony Rothman, hanging out. Thank you for joining us. want to let you know about an opportunity coming at you with the Ohio Media School. As a proud graduate, went over there a few years ago, and they really helped me sharpen my broadcasting tools. The opportunity coming at you to be myself and football and radio legend. Bobby Carpenter, we're giving away a Zoom conference so you can chop it up with us and ask about Bobby's time as a cowboy, as a Buckeye, all that good stuff. We'll talk about our broadcasting careers as well. If you're interested in this, you can register online at 971thefan.com under that contest tag. Maybe even ask Maddie about his new calf implants. Listen, how those are firing off. I got up during the break, and it's not good. Oh, no. What? It's not Prostate again? I I need one of those like gun things that massages your body. I'm you see I'm sure you've seen it during yeah. like a game or athletes have it or whatever on the side. I need one of those because we're sore right now, big dog. We're down bad. Well, just pitch for one. You know, follow Lauren Ice's you know agenda. Just pitch for one on the air. Maybe we'll get sent in the mail to you somewhere. I <laughs> listen. I did it with the russet oh potatoes. My goodness, yeah. Those happened. Oh my I, I mean, that was an accident. And by the way, someone. This is amazing. Uh, Jeff tweeted me a picture that there was an Utz truck spotted in Lancaster. Uh, now, let me let me tell you something a little bit here. Yeah. Uh, there are some people that are tweeting me about, okay, here's Buckeye West. I heard you talking about Utz chips. I was just at Marks on Henderson Road, and they have about a dozen different flavors. Here we – okay, Wes, I'm glad you're on the case, and you're doing some heavy recon. This is where I think we're missing out. I don't believe the dark russet is in that store. I think that's the holy grail. I don't think we're zeroing in and talking about what we need to talk about. We may have to cross state lines mm. to get the dark russet. That's bootlegging. Like, I think we need that kind of deal. So I don't know if those dozens of bags he's talking about includes the dark russet potato chip. 
the Are one you that you and I love. Looking at a gourmet dark russet bag right now, gluten. Well, I'm looking at a cellophane bag. Mm. I'm not a. He he took it out of the the main bag. Oh, interesting. And, and, yeah, that's right. I didn't get the whole thing. <laughs> you think he was going to give me a whole bag? I mean, Ox is nice, but he's not giving me his entire bag of dark russet that he went oh that he crossed state lines for. Yeah, man. I mean, he's got to. Uh, how's that for hijinks? He's got to, uh, you know, he's got to make sure he eats plenty of carbs, man, so he can stay strong as an ox. I will see myself out. That's right. Um, no, no, this is what this is what we do on the show. We pitch for things, and then maybe we get a truckload. Yeah, um, you know, that's how it works for James, right? You remember right. being in the studio where he'd come in and he'd have, like, all this Rams gear on that you can't even find online. And I'm just like, Threes, where'd you get that big dog? Oh, you know, Rams just sent it to me. New hoodie, new hat, sweatpants, shoes, Ohio State. Hey, got the new latest basketball shoes, the latest LeBrons. Only the basketball team's got Hey, I got those too. Like, it's living good, man. It's yeah. living good. Matty, like, we got to go to Pittsburgh and pick up 400 cases of Utz dark russet and bring him back here in about 28 hours. <laughs> if we can do that, right? Because if you like, it's like Coors beer. You take it east of Texas, and that's bootlegging back in the day. Um, and then your your answer to me is, well, Anthony, you you sound a little bit scared. And then I say back to you, well, it's great psychology. Why don't you just say something bad about my mother? Hmm. Um, now. The best line in Smokey and the Bandit, and there are a million of them, was when Lil Enos Burdett was saying, when he when when Burt Reynolds said to him, hey, what do you want the beer so bad for? Because he's thirsty, dummy. That's the best line. Let's not overthink this. Why do you want those dark russet potato chips so badly? Because he's hungry, dummy. Hungry. All right, he hungry. How are you feeling about the uh, want, the mustache yeah. and the mustache in that movie from your boy Burt Reynolds? How are you feeling about that? It's probably one of the top three mustachios of all time, <laughs> don't you think? I mean, it has it's to not be. bad. I'm not I mean, mad at him. I I would say, you know, I'm trying to think back. Raleigh Fingers had the handlebar mustache. Oh, yeah, that's a win. Yeah, that's a win. Um, you curl the curl it up at the end right I, there. I, I'm not all that. In. I'm not that into that. But I understand where you're. I think the top. I think Sam Elliott has a classic stash. Um, Lebowski fame. Burt Reynolds. Eddie Murphy um, was strong. He had, a, you know, he he rocked it well. I thought throughout Tom his time. Tom Selleck, I would say, probably has. See, I don't. I, I didn't remember Eddie. Freddie Mercury had a pretty <laughs> pretty good mustache. Uh, Lionel Richie had a good mustache. I mentioned Raleigh. I think even Reggie Jack. I actually think Mike Ditka had a pretty good mustache. Okay. Uh, I, I like that one, too. It's funny. Yeah. Real quick, because you, you mentioned some of these old school mm -hmm. names. I don't know if you've seen the clip floating around today of Anthony Edwards, number one pick of the draft for Minnesota Timberwolves last night, where he was asked after the game about Alex Rodriguez, because Alex Rodriguez is part owner now of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Mm -hmm. You know, he and Jayla were trying to work that thing out with the Mets. That didn't happen. A-Rod's like, all right, I got enough money. Let's just move on to the next pro team. I can handle that. So Anthony Edwards was asked after the game yesterday, how do you feel about A-Rod taking over as part owner? And he goes, who is he? And I'm like, Wait, wow. come on. Like, that's one of those moments in my life, A-O, where I'm like, that's um, I'm, I'm getting old. Dudes yes. in the league that just got drafted oh, no. don't even know who Alex oh, Rodriguez no. is. Oh, no. <laughs> right? Crazy, right? Hmm. 
<sighs> That's, That's rough. That's when an incoming problem. freshman at Ohio State doesn't know who Eddie George is, then I'm going to be officially in your camp. Ooh. That's hard, though, because you walk around that place. He's a Heisman winner. Like you I'm gotta, just talking I, about an incoming freshman, maybe you. from oh, out of I state. You. I hear you. You know, not an, not an Ohioan. Comes to Ohio State, yeah. and they and you ask him on their first day in, you know, hey, do you know who Eddie George is? Wait, who? God. <laughs> that would be bad. Wait, did he sing that song, I'll Tumble For You? Um, anyway, there you go. Oh, my uh, boy. You know what? I just looked up some mustaches online. Um, yeah. Hulk Hogan, that's a good one. Not a Hogan that's a good guy. one. Well, I mean, just for the mustache. Yeah, just, I'm not you a know. Hogan guy. <laughs> So, no. we'll, just leave, we'll just leave that at that. Trust me. We'll the ultimate male that. against the ultimate meatball? You're not? No, all right. No, no, no. We got to come back. We got two topics to get to. Yeah. I got yeah. A, uh, an umpire story that is fairly engaging. And <laughs> the, uh, I think, I, actually, when I told you this story, <laughs> you were a great tease. I need that tease all the time now. <laughs> fairly engaging. <laughs> Listen, under promise, over deliver. Exactly. Rothman and Ice on the fan. News, opinions, and insight all before breakfast. Rise and shine with morning juice. Weekdays starting at 6. The fan, Ohio's sports destination. Smarter than your average sports show. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back. All right, I'm glad we've got our uh, foot soldiers out there for the dark russet. If you're, if we have a dark russet sales rep in the listening area, uh, just know that we've given us its due today. And I see here, due to high demand, there may be limited inventory on some items. Maybe that one. Who knows? So we need a dark russet rep. And with the amount of advertising I've done today, that I would say one cellophane bag is not too much to ask for. That's one cellophane bag. That's not mine. I've never seen that before in my life. It wasn't angel dust. It was PCP, and it wasn't mine. Um, all right, let's get to the story on Joe West. Joe West, your guy. You love Joe West. Don't do that. And Don't do that. <laughs> so one, there's a there's a former player story, and this is this is what happens when it could happen when it's like the podcast casual nature of podcasts. You go on. You start talking, guys start swearing, they break through their swear ceiling. I've seen that happen. Uh, We're regular hosts like you and I and people like, they get on podcasts. Oh, wait a minute. We can say whatever we want now. We're not not under the FCC umbrella anymore. Let's let the expletives fly. And so I've seen that even on Twitter. I've seen people that that have never, never swear socially, and then they'll do it on Twitter. I'll be like, oh, he's crashed through your uh, your swear ceiling, is what I call it. Um, West sued four-time All-Star Paul Aduka for defamation, and he won. What did he win? How about a half million plus interest? Mm. All right, it's tough to win these type of lawsuits. Well, what happened? This is what happened. Laduka accused uh, West on a podcast of trading strike calls for off-field favors. Not Dark Russet. Um, 
LaDuca accused West of changing the strike zone in favor of former New York Mets pitcher Billy Wagner in exchange for the use of Wagner's 57 Chevy. (laughs) West accused LaDuca of fabricating the story, making it up, and consequently harming his chances of making the Hall of Fame. Because when I talked to you earlier, I said, I wonder what damage is he's, he's claiming here. He's still umping. They didn't fire him. He's not suspended for anything. The judge agreed with Joe West and ruled in favor after LaDuca declined to appear in court or to even address the allegations. LaDuca made the accusation, Maddie, on a podcast. Claiming that West altered a strike zone when Wagner made a relief appearance during a Mets-Phillies game. Here's what he said. We're playing like a really tight game against the Phillies, and Billy Wagner comes in from the bullpen. I used to go to the mound every time and like, what's going on? And he's like, hey, Joe's behind the plate. Set up a couple more inches inside. That's right. I was like, are you kidding me? Joe hates me. He's like, no, 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 no. Joe loves me. (laughs) He goes, I go, he hasn't given us the corner all day. He's like, don't worry about it. He literally throws 10 pitches and strikes out three guys. Joe rings up all three guys. Eight of the nine pitches were at least three to four inches inside, not even close. Guys were throwing bats at everything, and Joe walks off the field. This is LaDuca now. I get back into the clubhouse, and I'm like, what the blank just happened? And Wagner just winks at me. I'm like, what's the secret? He loves antique cars. So every time he comes to town... I lend him my 57 Chevy so he can drive it around. So then he opens up the strike zone for me. That's a story that Paul LaDuca told on a podcast. Well, here's the problem. West argued that he never called a Mets-Phillies game with Wagner on the mound during those years. Wagner hasn't publicly addressed the story. And here we are. And Joe gets the cash. Now, why did they come to that figure? Because if he is a Hall of Fame umpire or he gets there, the speaking circuit and everything this would damage as far as credibility and integrity about a guy trading strike calls for the access to a classic car could kind of destroy some of those after-career opportunities on the speaking circuit. And he cashed in. So this is a win-win, Matty. Half mil plus interest. And he's got his name back. Yeah, I mean, look, as you know, I am not a Joe West guy, but I got to be honest, he racked up a dub here. He absolutely did, especially. (laughs) Ring him up. Yeah, right. If he's not giving any pushback, he walks away with the money and shoot, who knows? He may have been driving around this 57 Chevy. I don't know. It's a crazy story. I think it's absolutely hilarious for sure and it just takes my mind on a path that i don't even like going with sports or what's going on with some of these players and umpires and all that stuff where it wouldn't shock me if a deal like that was worked out between a pitcher and joe west but i was more intrigued now with the car the 57 chevy itself because when i saw this story came out went and did a little research on this joint (laughs) and what i stumbled across was a different form of the 57 Chevy, something that's right up your alley. I know you're an old school Mm -hmm. guy. I know you love living through the 80s and the 90s and all of that stuff. But can I interest you in a 1957 Bel Air Club golf cart? 
This thing <laughs> is incredible. And I could just see you riding mm-hmm. around Turtle, riding around all the exclusive clubs mm-hmm. around Columbus in this golf cart and just killing the game. It's only 10K. I know you got that ready to go with mm-hmm. one swipe of the black card right mm-hmm. now. But I think you should be all in on this golf cart. We need to yeah. get this for you. Yeah, there was a there was a movie back in the eighties, I think called Hollywood Nights, and I think they used I think Tony Danza and Michelle Pfeiffer were in it. And I think that was a fifty seven Chevy. Mm-hmm. Um I can't tell you that I'm crazy about the classics, but there is a soft spot for that for sure. Yeah. But the moral of this story <laughs> and I've and I've said it before in broadcast, because doing T V and radio and there there was always a, a phrase that was thrown around early on in my career, which was Write it, regret it, say it, forget it. Yeah. And and where it wouldn't sting as much if you said it, but if you put it down in print, that's going to follow you forever. The moral of this story, and I think that people have picked up on it, is that things you say can be held against you. And it sounds like if you if Laduca, this you know, former MLB catcher, who by the way probably has a million great stories, yeah, this clearly was one of them, but was it made up? Obviously, the the judge ruled it was made up. Wagner's not corroborating it, and Leduc is not defending it. So this got into a it's a great story because you, if you think about it, who makes that up? Who makes that up? He loved my old '57 Chevy. Whenever West is in town, I throw him the keys. He doesn't squeeze my pitchers, and it's a win-win. That's a bad story to tell about a guy who's who did it for a living. You know, who's an umpire for a living. I hear and we accuse these guys of squeezing the strike zone and doing all sorts of weird stuff uh, and not being consistent. But how about that? Yeah, it's crazy, man. He and was seeing, absolutely- by the way, he went after like $12 million. I don't know if I forgot Did to tell really? you that part of the oh, story. God. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he, so he, he, he felt, with- I mean, okay. walks away with a half mil, but he, <laughs> he, he went after a lot. And um, I, I'll tell you, it's one of these things now with the podcast and you feel like just too, too, Two guys in a room with a couple microphones, and you download it if you want, and yeah, listen to it on your own spare time and all that. And I'll tell you, it's out there, and you know what sc- you know screenshots and all that stuff. And mm, dangerous. It, it, it's it's a shame because you want to be honest and have fun, and you want to be yourself. But if you're fabricating something about a dude like that, and you're just trying to destroy his credibility, that he took bribes. Yeah, took a, a bribe. Lot. That's heavy stuff. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah real quick. And you talk yep. about baseball and fun stories. If you are a Reds fan, I highly suggest you go check out uh, the article written about Joey Votto, a.k.a. Joey Mappo, out there on the mm. Athletic. See uh, Trent Rosecrans on Twitter. If you are uh, can get to the Athletic, if you can read their stuff, check it out for sure because it's a hilarious story, AR, where former players are just talking about <laughs> some of the weird stuff that Joey Votto gets into. And you will uh, quickly find Find out why he's got a new nickname in Joey Mappa. Funny stuff, for sure. Go check it out. See, I told you the story was fairly engaging. (laughs) See? I under-promised, and I over-delivered. At least I felt I did. We'll come back with a Buckeye Bolt and Rothman and Ice on the fan. Your home of the Buckeyes, Jackets, NFL, Major League Baseball, and pretty much everything you can shake a stick at. What? It's a saying. The fan. Rothman and Ice present... Sponsored by Logan AC and Heat Services. Don't go through another air conditioner breakdown. For fast, friendly service, call the experts at Logan Services now for a free estimate and next day air installation. All right, Buckeye Bolton time here on Rothman and Ice. Uh, 
when we told you about Eddie George taking the Tennessee State job as head football coach, you know, the immediate thing that jumped to my mind was, my goodness, he's done everything off the field, and it seemed like he was moving further away from football with his Broadway career and his acting career. Uh, they did call him. They they called him, and, you know, it wasn't his idea. He really didn't want to do it at first, is what is being talked about now. The Tennessee State had to sell Eddie on the job. It was officially introduced on Tuesday. So if you thought the idea of someone without coaching experience being handed a job at an FCS program was wrong, well, so did he. <laughs> That's exactly how he first talked about it with former Titans coach Jeff Fisher. And when he said to him, Matt, he's like, hey, Jeff, listen to this ridiculous idea. So at the time, George said he was about 70% sure he didn't want to be the football coach there, and Fisher loved the idea, and he kind of helped convince him of it. And we have some Eddie George sound here, and we'll start with the decision. That's a huge responsibility, and one that I did not take lightly. When I was presented with this opportunity a few weeks ago, I was speechless. I was floored. Um, I was like, no. No. <laughs> In the beginning, co- coaching wasn't on my on the forefront of my mind. But when I talked to my family, I said, "Tamara, listen to this. You know, they want me to be the head coach at Tennessee State University. Can you believe that?" I said, "What do you think?" He says, "Well, why not? How about that? Why not, baby? I mean, that's yeah. Why not? You know, if you can think of more reasons to do it than not, then that's there's the lean, and it sounds like that's what happened to him. And so here we go. You know, the Titans. You know." goes from the Titans to Tennessee State, and here we go. And I'll tell you, whatever he does, he's been successful. Now, I know you need a lot around you as a football coach. You need the players, that's for sure. Yeah. But he's going to have a ton of support, Matty, a ton. Yeah, no doubt, man. He, he is for sure, especially in that state. And, and I mm-hmm. saw that, you know, Deion Sanders had some really encouraging things to say about you know this hire and what it means for kind of that realm of college football and I think those two schools actually play once a year in some type of classic or something uh, like that so that'll be cool to see both those guys roaming the sidelines for their respective squads but yeah for Eddie I'm sure there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve different world you're stepping into a completely different realm of football for him obviously been around the game for a very long time and played it at a very high clip as well but going into households and recruiting and practice schedules and nutrition like all of that stuff that you never really have to worry about as a player they kind of tell you how to go about it now he's got to be the head honcho and doing that and i'm sure he'll do a good job at it but i'm sure there's definitely going to be a little shock to the system uh, to start this thing off well talking about engaging he's one of the most engaging athletes you'll ever talk to yeah he really is he's got a a personality he's he he's he talks to everyone the same he, no one will meet him and say, I got a bad vibe or he, or he dismissed me. Eddie is, uh, is one of those just ultimate athletes, man, and he gets it. This is an outside-the-box hire. Nobody would disagree with that, yeah. but we've, we've seen this happen before, and maybe there'll be some patience there, but he is a Nashville hero. And he is he he's everywhere in that city, so the pressure will be on for him to succeed. But like I said, he'll have a ton of support. Here he is on you know researching it before he took it. 
I did my checklist. I put down the pros and cons. I reached out to several NFL coaches. I leaned on some friends and family for some sound advice, both um, in the profession, out of the profession, uh, in the working world, in the entrepreneur world, just to see what they thought about it and to see what this job will entail. Yeah. Doing his homework, right? Like that. That's what I'm hearing. You got you got like Eddie. You're tapped into a lot of people that are connected to a lot of positive things and guys that have been around football. And like you said, like he said, businessman and businesswoman and all of that stuff. Like I love hearing that he was doing his due diligence. And it's funny what you were saying, like all those positive things about Eddie and meeting Eddie and a guy like that and him being respective of your time, no matter who you're being. The same could be said for another all-time great that played the same position at Ohio State and Archie because that's the same mm-hmm. things that I've always heard about him and my interactions with Archie over a couple times over years. Like He's been a guy to man. It's, it feels like he's willing to give you every second of his day when you're talking to him. And those two guys specifically are guys that are well-respected, obviously, amongst Buckeye Nation. But you run across... Those two cats, man, those are uh, how you, you want guys representing your university or program, that's for sure. I'm not sure if there's any list out there in my mind of all-time Buckeye greats that wouldn't have Archie and Eddie in their top five. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm pretty certain of that. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's two running backs. Now, we've had other running backs, certainly like Vic Janowitz and guys from Hopalong Cassidy, Chick Harley. You've had guys that mm-hmm. are legends yeah. uh, of the lore of Ohio State football. But as far as modern era and then including you know the time that Archie played, you would, you would have Eddie and Archie right there, the yeah. top five. That is sure. today's Buckeye Bulletin. Sports Center update, top of the hour. We'll come back with a deep dive. Brownies over under this year on wins. What should it be? What is it? We'll tell you next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Most shows just skim the surface, but Rothman and Ice feel like the biggest story of the day deserves a closer look. It's time for a deeper dive. Sponsored by United Dairy Farmers. Miss filling up before gas prices went up? Get UDF slow price lock with U Drive. All right, welcome back in. Rothman and Ice, Anthony Rothman, Maddie Ice Hayes. Marching through a third hour here on the program. Thank you for being with us. We'll do some truth at 220. Shane P. Hallam from Fake Pigskin at 233. Uh, Browns made the playoffs, as you all know. Uh, They put KC on the ropes with Mahomes out, and all of a sudden the big dream was alive. Now, they they managed to win their their playoff game and took out the the hated Steelers, and uh, there's a, a feel that they're here to stay. And I, I'm I'm in that. This is not a one-time wonder. Now they are they've got a window here that they want to step through, Maddie. Yeah. And the off-season moves now with Clowney, as we as we told you earlier today, getting Clowney. And the price tag, it's not awful. I mean, it's so much less than what he was gunning for, and it's a one-year deal. And I think CB told me that maybe seven mil is guaranteed of the ten. I'm not sure. Uh, if we have the guarantee, eight million detail. and two in incentives. Eight. All right, so eight. So uh, I, I think there's fairly low risk there when you're talking from NFL type salaries and what he could bring to the table. Uh, he's talking a big game. He just said on, on on a Zoom that he's you know really excited about the situation and that he got a new agent and he was more open to coming here. Uh, I don't know what happened there because he turned down their their offer last year, right? 
And so I don't know if it's kind of funny that he kind of blaming that I've got a new agent. You're your own agent, man. That's right. Like the, your agent's not t- your agent. Although I could say that maybe his agent got him a better deal than he than he had before. I don't know all the details, but um, you know, if you really wanted to play in Cleveland, I'm sure you could have gotten it done when they when they were interested in you before. But here we are. And so he's with the Browns. He's going to take some heat off Garrett, hopefully, if he stays healthy. Here he is on teaming with Garrett. I've been getting double teamed a lot in this league in my career. Maybe I can go one-on-one, so that's good because he knows Garrett's going to help him with that. Uh, your thoughts on the signing, first of all? It's Clowney. fine. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I've never been the biggest Clowney guy because I, I just haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it. He was supposed to be this all-world prospect coming out of college, and we have yet to register a double-digit sack season in the NFL. And that's when you were playing alongside J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless and some guys for Houston that were really good. So, absolutely, I think there's not a ton of risk here when you're committing to a guy like this for one year, but I'm not overly excited for the Browns because I just haven't Mm -hmm. seen it from Clowney. So, I do think there's a world where you can talk yourself into the Miles Garrett angle help helping him out and some other guys that they've brought in along that uh-huh. defensive line. I thought they made a real good effort to try to revamp that room this offseason, which I like for them. But specifically for Clowney, I think the name's bigger than the production at this point. I agree with you. I, I agree with that. Uh, there was no way he was getting more than a year of of the Browns' money at a certain price, right? Like, that was not going to happen. They were not going to pay him... A, they were going to pay him. They paid him more than $5 million a year, um, which is – it's okay. This is a one-year deal. It's not a massive investment for them. Right. And they, and they did it before the draft, which I think from, from the Brown standpoint, they had to do. From Clowney's standpoint, he could have waited if he wanted to kind of string it out. But, boy, he's been playing – he's been slow playing these teams for a while, and it hasn't worked out. Yeah. Like, he slow plays and then gets cracked. And so the Browns had to get this done before the draft – not necessarily that they would go away from his position at 26, but it gives them the flexibility to do it if the draft falls to them and they want to take the best available player. Now they can. Yeah. Now they feel like they're not going to be married to need. They can still kind of do a, a half and half of need and want. So you know, a little fitty, little fitty, fitty, yeah, fitty, fitty lemon, lemon lime. I, look, and, I, you know. I hear you on that for sure, brother. But I, I like the idea of still going out and getting a pass rusher, like a young guy to mm-hmm. run with Miles Garrett for years. You bring that guy in. If you hit on him to crank up some heat, um, for sure, you're going to need that. Because, look, who knows what Clowney's going to be doing next year. It's a one-year deal. And if he smashes and performs well, is Cleveland going to be willing to cough up a big-time contract for Clowney, which we know he's going to want um, if he goes out and produces? He's wanted that with not a ton of production, for sure, uh, at this point in his career. But for the draft, yeah, I think defense is the focus. I think should be for Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I think when you look offensively, man, they are really, really looking pretty good right now on paper and obviously we got a long way to go to get through everything and everybody's got to stay healthy but I think offensively they're in a really good spot really bolster up that defense man because you got some reinforcements coming in I know a lot of people are going to be in wait and see mode with a couple of the young guys and Greedy Williams and Grant Delpit if those guys give the Browns secondary anything with the new additions that they brought in from the Rams then we're talking so I'm all in with keep addressing Mm -hmm. this front seven go get you a pass rusher a young dude that can come in behind a Jadavion Clowney and roll with Miles Garrett. Yeah, I agree with you. This isn't about their future. This is about kind of being in while 
being in is good. Like they they have a really good team this year. They're over under. I looked in some places is a fairly doable nine and a half. Mm. And so thought to myself, you know, nine and a half. That seems, boy, they they do seem like a ten and sixteen boy. Anything like nine and seven seems. You mean ten and seven? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's yeah. the, hey, or that's the new uh, the Chargers. Oh, yeah. Remember that a few so years even ago? better. Where they Even moved, better than where everybody kept yeah. saying San Diego. Everybody's gonna be saying sixteen weeks for a yeah. while. I know. I, I still don't have it down yet. Uh, at least I didn't give you a fourteen game season. Um, yeah, so that'll be it. Uh, so that that's even easier to attain because there's another chance to win a game. So I now take a look at at what they're doing here, and I'm going to look at their uh, at their schedule. And I'll tell you, it's. Uh, it's not easy. I'm going to try to find them 10 wins here, and you think you can. Um, they do a lot of uh, – I don't know. Do we, Colin, do we know in the Orange and Fudge report, have you put out there yet when these games uh, – do we, when, do we, when do we know the weeks and all that? Or no, do we so already know? I guess we're supposed to hear sometime in early May of a schedule release, but that's about it. Okay. So we just have the teams, not the lineup. Right? That's correct, yes. Yeah. So I got an at Green Bay. Mm. I got an at Kansas City. I got an at the Chargers. I got an at the Vikes. Is this right? I've got an at the Patriot. No, is that right? That's right, yes. Yeah, okay, all right. Uh, they do get Denver at home. They get the Raiders at home. They'll get the Bears at home. So they're playing the, the Central there. But they got to go to Green Bay and to Minnesota. But they get Chicago at home. Uh, boy, it's it's not a lock. When I saw nine and a half, I'm like, oh my god, just hammered the over with this team. Uh, and you know, you can't predict injuries. But how do you feel? I mean, this is this is a ten win football team. I feel the same way. I would take the over for sure because you know when you hear teams like a Green Bay and a Kansas City. We know what they're about, especially at the quarterback position. But when I'm talking complete rosters, the Browns are going to be a problem, man. They absolutely are going to be a problem for anybody in this league. So when we talk now, kind of like surface-level scheduling stuff, sure, maybe going on the road to Arrowhead and Lambeau, you might view the pa- the Packers and the Chiefs as favorites. But ain't a bunch of teams I view around the league that I would want to pick over the Brownies because I think that's what they've got cooking. And I think last year's success really can just take the pressure off of not only the players, but everybody involved because you, you check that box and obviously we want to keep it pushing and head in the right direction and do all those good things. But the Browns aren't the little bro anymore. They absolutely mm-hmm. have their own corner. They got their own block now. And when you come across their block, you either got to knock them off their block or take it somewhere else to try to take someone else off their block. Like that's how I'm viewing the Browns, especially in the AFC. So when you talk about nine and a half, I'm all in with that yeah. over, man, especially with the way that they concluded last year. I think they've got a ton of momentum behind them. They've got so much talent and they're getting even more talent coming back with one of the more talented wide receivers in the league. So I love their roster, man. And we're not even through the draft yet. Their 2021 schedule is ranked as the ninth toughest in the league on paper. Am I right, CB, that their seventh numbers that their seventeenth opponent is the Cardinals? That is correct. Yep, they'll play them at in home in Cleveland. Okay, so 
right now, I mean, they were 11-5 and five last year. Their 2021 schedule strength, as I mentioned, is ninth. So that's basically their opponent's combined winning percentage. Uh, I told you they're a 2021 over-under, which is 9.5. Let me tell you what sports line projection model forecasts. I think you're going to be surprised. They forecast them at 8.5. That's interesting. Because I agree. I, I wonder what they're not liking. Maybe it is the opponents. Maybe that's I think what it is. it is. Because when you talk about two of the squads we talked about with KC and Green Bay and even the Chargers as a, a team that everybody's kind of interested in based off of what Herbert did. And you also got New England. That's on the road. In Gillette Stadium, like that can always be a tough place to go. And then you got to see the Ravens twice mm-hmm. and the Steelers with that defense. So, like, I think they're better than a nine and a half, eight and a half win squad for sure. But when you start kind of making your way through this schedule and who some of these opponents are, you got to give them some respect as well because those dudes are really good too. So, I don't like those numbers and I'll smash the over for both of yeah. them. But let's say we get to week 17 and we're talking about the Browns as a 9-win team or 10-win team or whatever it is and when we get to that time, I think maybe we could look at that as well they're not bad. They just ran into some some squads. They ran into some squads where Aaron Rodgers went crazy on them, or he had a late driver. Pat Mahomes, you know, really sprinkled some magic dust on them the way that he can. So I do think we got to leave room for that to where if they don't, for some reason, get to eleven or twelve wins or something like that, coming off of last year, I still think you can be viewed as a heck of a squad that just ran into some beast. Yeah, and I'm not. Listen, you get they're over under at nine and a half. You know, there that'll be enough for a wild card, you'd think. I mean, t- although ten, I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't say that. Like ten wins wasn't enough uh, in the AFC a year ago, right? Eight was that I think the number in the NFC. So right. it, you know, you're right. I probably can't say that right now, um, but I think that's it. I think when you talk about their away opponents, the Chargers, the Chiefs, the Packers, those are big. Mm-hmm. The Vikes, Huge. obviously, very doable. Patriots. Very doable. Ravens. Well, I, I don't know. Steelers, I don't Bengals. want to lay it out on the Patriots just yet. That's a whole no, no, new but squad. Will they be favored getting... on? Will they? Will the Browns be favored on the road? Yeah, I don't think at so. New England. You I don't, don't think, so. think so. No, I don't think so. I think it's a whole new mindset with with New England. Everybody back on defense. Ton of dudes in free agency offensively with Hunter Henry and Johnu Smith and all of that stuff. I think on the road at Gillette Stadium in Billy's house, mm. I think they would be favorites. Billy's Those house lights. is not as guarded as it was before, big guy. Well, it's that's not, just one year. Not, that's a yeah. one-off, though. I don't want yeah. look. I, I wouldn't feel comfortable saying that because that's a one-off where they didn't have much to work with. I still think <laughs> Gillette Stadium is a place to where when you're on that airplane and you fly out to Foxborough, that's a place that gets you going, like it does Arrowhead and like <laughs> it does Lambo because it's got so much history attached to it. So I still think it still has that mystique around it with that dude still roaming the sidelines uh, with his uh, arms hanging out of his cutoff hoodie. Yeah, I, it just doesn't have the intimidation factor anymore. That's it. I mean, you are, you even said it. The Browns are not the little brother anymore. They don't have to look at the, the vaunted Patriots as like, hey, the Bills already did them a favor and knocked the Patriots down a notch or two. Oh. So I think the Browns stay with their swag, but don't get like crazy cocky. It's not about that for me, but there's a reason they are picked where they are. They'll be AFC North favorites. 
and there'll be a you know a borderline AFC championship game team. I think that's where you'd have them. I, I why wouldn't you? If they keep in, you know increasing their defense, they're stacked on offense, and then the pressure will be on Baker, mm-hmm. right? Because if yeah. they don't deliver with Baker this year, if they don't deliver, it'll be because Baker underachieved. And that, that'll be big as far as their future and considering whether he is the franchise quarterback. He's a big piece this year, huge. And, you know, if they don't see something that they like or for some reason they feel like they're limited with Baker at quarterback, then they got some tough decisions to make, especially with extension stuff lurking here into the late summer. Are they going to pull that trigger now, or how do they go about that with Baker? It's definitely going to be interesting. He definitely helped himself for sure quiet down some of the noise of what he did a year ago, but we got to start week one and run this thing all the way through week 17 for sure, I think, for a lot of people around the NFL world to feel good about Baker getting one of these huge contracts. It's Casey Buffalo the Browns, your boys, for me. I think that's that's fair, a- absolutely. And then after that, you got a team like, what can the Chargers do? Is New England gonna bounce back? Pittsburgh. What about the Colts? Well, yeah. Well, Carson yeah. Wentz. A lot of questions, mm-hmm. but Pittsburgh, man, they're resetting with that defense. It's just about can they run the ball at all? Like that's it for me. Because if they could get any running game. Pittsburgh's going to be an issue, and you got to deal with them too. So I think all of those squads, once you get past the big two in KC and Buffalo for sure, uh, can get into the AFC picture and make some noise. Come back, play a little truth next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. What's the best way to scare your kids into submission? By blasting morning juice through the speakers. You're welcome. Morning juice. Weekdays at 6. The fan. Tell the truth with Rothman and Ice. All right, CB, your dime, your dance floor. All right, well, our cobbler pie debate yesterday really mm. took off, especially online. So I kind of want to continue with the food, the food debates here. What is <laughs> one hot take regarding food that you have? And Matt, you can't use the well done steaks. Okay, see, we might well. I don't want to get too controversial with any more hot food takes. I do. Um, I'm all in all right, with go this ahead. stuff because here is another food item that I have not had, but I'm going to comment on it anyway because I think that <laughs> caviar has to be the most yeah. overrated food item on yeah. the planet. To me, it's nothing but a flex. All it is is, hey, uh-huh. I got a lot of coin that I wasted on this thing yeah. that, from everything I hear, doesn't taste like much. So caviar, to me, all it is is a status yeah. thing. I'm a baller. I got a lot of coin. Here's some caviar that probably is garbage anyway. So I got to roll with caviar. You know, Matty, uh, I've heard in the elite world um, this phrase getting tossed around. It's an acquired taste. Uh, okay. I, I think that... You know, most people, to be honest, I mean, your first beer probably didn't taste that great either. Um, so it may be that your mind may change if you were dining in those circles, which we won't. And I agree with you. I think it's a very good take. I'll say it this way. I think I've come to the conclusion that if I got to go to the chair and they're offering me a last meal, it's not going to be what you guys think. Not going to be pizza. It's not going to be fries and all that. You know, all the greats. I think it's come down to chocolate chip pancakes for me. Wow. I think that's it. I think it's one of the most underrated things you could ever have. I don't know who made it up or how it came about, but if you give me for my last meal 
chocolate chip pancakes with a pat of melted butter on there, some powdered sugar, a mm. thick dollop of whipped cream, thick. and some syrup. We say syrup on the show, not syrup. It's syrup. Definitely, it's definitely syrup. Um, that's my last meal. Chocolate like chip that. pancakes. That would be it. I'm marking it down. Put it and in my that, my boy, is a damn truth. All right, so let's play a game called Which Scenario is More Likely to Happen? Mm. The Lions take a quarterback at 7, or the <laughs> Patriots trade up into the top 10 to take a quarterback? Pats. Go ahead. Go ahead. Pats. Pats straight up. Uh, if it falls the right way, they've got a much more. They've got a much bigger need. I'm not saying they don't. They don't need a quarterback. I'm just saying the Lions. I'm just saying one team is rebuilding, draft you know, big time, and they have a placeholder. I don't. If listen, if Fields is there at seven, I see the Lions saying, "My goodness, we hold a chip here." that we can parlay into multiple picks. And we are a rebuilding franchise. And so with all the their job is to acquire picks, not necessarily their next best quarterback. Their quarterback left in Stafford. They're in rebuild. I don't see them being a big QB player here at seven. And if Fields is there, it can only do better for them in their rebuild. I think you laid it out well, even though I don't think Jared Goff's done a, enough to really lock down a job and for a team to just feel great about that. But I'm with you all on the Pats. I'm hoping that we get this. I think it'd be great for the NFL. Add a ton of juice to draft night here in a couple weeks. And they got to they got to replenish the well. Don't think Stidham's the long-term answer. Cam's probably not the long-term answer either. So they need to get somebody in there that can learn from Cam, learn from Stidham and McDaniels, and be ready to rock out for 2022 and beyond because they got to deal with Josh Allen, Zach Wilson, and company the rest of the way. Just remember... It's not a lie if you believe it. All right, our last one for today. So Shane Bieber and Lucas Giolito had a duel last night. Bieber goes nine, Giolito goes seven. Mm-hmm. They combined to give up six hits. It was 0-0 after nine, and the Tribe win in ten. I want to ask you, if you're talking about the AL Cy Young, would you, would you take a stack of Bieber, Giolito versus the field? No, I'm sticking with my guy. I know Bieber's got that from the penthouse to the basement curveball, which is absolutely ridiculous, but I'm sticking with Tyler Glass now. You've been seeing what Tyler Glass now has been doing recently, CB. Go check out some of his work right now, second in the American <laughs> League with ERA at .46. So I'm all in with Tyler Glass now. Giolito, Bieber absolutely put on a clinic last night. We know what Bieber's about. But I'm going to go with the field, but honing in on my guy who I picked to start the year, I'm feeling good about what Tyler Glasnow's got cooking up down in the bay. Well, if you're taking Glass now, and we get Garrett Cole as a throw-in, then yes, I'm going to take the field. Because I will tell you right now, Cole and Glasnow versus Bieber and Giolito, I'm taking Cole and Glasnow. If, if this is where I get a shot at the Cy Young. Both of them are off to great starts. I think you're right. Glass now is even better than, than Cole, although they're both like right around 30 strikeouts and three starts. So they are solid. Bieber is an absolute gem himself, but I'm going to take the field. Yeah. 
Bieber's just yeah. silly. It's silly what he's doing on, on the mound. Like, it's unbelievable leading the American League, Major League Baseball and K's right now. Cole coming mm-hmm. in and Glass now tied for second with 29. Bowers off to an amazing start for the Dodgers. But, man, if you're a Cleveland fan, when it's ace day and Bieber's on the bump, you just sit back and relax because yesterday they only put up two runs. But that's all you need when you got that dude on the bump. He's a, he's a freak show. He's unreal. Shane P. Hallam uh, at Fake Pigskin. We'll go through his round one mock next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. All the dumb things we say are on demand when you want them. Just utilize the computer chip we've implanted into your brain. The fan, Ohio sports destination. Sports talk, well done. Just like Matty enjoys his steak. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back in, Rothman and Ice. He's our guy. Whether you need fantasy or NFL draft, college football, he's got it all at Fake Pigskin. He's Shane P. Hallam. He's on the Bryant Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Shane, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. Draft is uh, getting closer and closer. I can't wait. Yeah, everybody's got a mock, and I know you do as well. And, and these things are certainly tough to predict because how the draft board falls might you know, dictate stuff on draft night that you can't predict now. But I'll ask it this way. Uh, we know the quarterbacks are going one, two, three, I would believe. If Atlanta doesn't take one at four, who are the quarterback, which quarterback needy team do you think is going to try to get Cincinnati off that five spot? I think we really have, we're down to three candidates. It's Denver at nine, New England at 15, and then Washington at 19. I think those are the three teams left that really need it have shown some interest. Um, I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if it's the New England Patriots. We know this offseason they've spent a ton of money, which is very uncharacteristic of them. Uh, it seems like Bill Belichick was kind of sick of, of losing after one year. So if I had to make a prediction of, well, who's going to move up to five or six, um, I, I think it's going to be New England. I think that this is their one chance to, to do it, um, and there's some perfect fits for Josh McDaniel's offense. We saw him at Ohio State today watching Justin Fields' pro day. Um, and, you know, that's that's really when they bring out the big guns. So I, I think New England has a heavy interest in Justin Fields, and I think he could be the target if they move up to five. You know, Shane, Pittsburgh, uh, they made a couple moves today, but just honing in on the draft for them, as you looked kind of at these first-round prospects, have you locked in on a guy that you think could be a, a nice fit for the Steelers kind of late there in the first round? I think if Najee Harris, the running back from Alabama, is still sitting there at 24, I think they take him. Uh, the, the Steelers are not a team that hides their interest or blows a lot of smoke. They're a team that they bring in the guys they want, and that's who they draft. Uh, and the, the interest in Najee Harris has been out there. I think if he's gone, then the other big hole for the team is at the center position. So then I think you're looking at Landon Dickerson, the center from Alabama, Creed Humphrey, the center from Oklahoma, one of those players probably for them. But I think that's where we see them go first, second round. Center, running back, two holes on the team right now, especially after today. They're the only starting positions that the Steelers need to hammer down. You know, Shane, you mentioned Najee Harris, and certainly we think a lot of him, and I think everybody should, um, kind of a prototypical NFL running back. But is, is he – I guess where would the over-under on him be in the first round as far as picks? Like you said, if he falls to the Steelers at 24, they, they might take him. But do you anticipate him getting there, number one? And is, the only, is he the only running back in the first round in your mind? 
I think he's going to be the only one that makes it in there. I think there are, you know, the, the, the two others of kind of the big three, as I've dubbed them, Travis Etienne from Clemson and Javante Williams from North Carolina, I think are as talented as Najee Harris and should deserve that consideration. But um, just the dominance of him is tough to pass up. So I think the other spot for him might be 18 to Miami. Uh, they seem very interested in a running back. Miles Gaskin was good last year, but they definitely need more of a bell cow, and it's a, kind of a different offense. Their uh, running backs coach is one of the two co-offensive coordinators now. So uh, that seems to be a focus. Um, but those are kind of the two teams for him that I think are, are good fits. Um, so, you know, I think it's a bet. If he gets 24, I think he's gone. But, you know, if uh, 18's a real possibility, and if so, then, you know, Miami would have him and the Steelers would be out of luck. Shane, your favorite playmaker in this entire draft, not named Pitts, Chase, <laughs> Waddle, or Smith. Who you got? <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit lower on the board, and a guy that, that's now my number two receiver in this class is Terrace Marshall, the wide receiver from LSU. Jamar Chase's teammate was Justin Jefferson's teammate. Um, absolutely killed his pro day, one of the most athletic, big receivers in this draft. I think he is going to be a steal if a team takes him late in the first round or early in the second round. He played about 80% of his snaps at, at in the slot in the Justin Jefferson role this past year. And two years ago, he played 80% on the outside and dominated both of those years. So even with the bad, you know, the, the mediocre quarterback play, I shouldn't call it completely awful this season, but it was no Joe Burrow. Um, he still w- was putting in a ton of work and beating defensive backs that are going to go in the first round. I think he's a player, if, if your team drafts him, you have a, a true number one wideout um, for a long time. All right, so the Cleveland Browns, 26-59. and 59. Um, You know, they, they just picked up Clowney. Does that change you in any way of what they might do at 26? I was really down between pass rush and corner for them at 26, uh, and I think Clowney maybe makes it a little more likely that they go corner. I, you know, I think pass rush is still going to be a high priority. The one year of Clowney isn't going to change that, but now you don't really have to invest that, that highly. So um, I, my final mock uh, that I've started kind of working up at this point, I'm, I'm leaning towards Greg Newsom, the corner out of Northwestern for them at 26, a physical, really sticky uh, cornerback that would, I think, really be a good fit and really complete uh, defense that, I mean, all these signings looks like it's going to be really nasty next year. I wanted to ask you about the champs because the headline of the offseason is, hey, we're running it back. We got everybody back in the building, and obviously that's a tremendous way to start the next year. But looking at the Bucks there, picking last, obviously, in the first round, like what are some needs? Is there a guy or two you, you've looked at that you would like to see suited up for Tampa here? It's tough. I think a lot, a lot of people are like, well, you know, maybe they draft their future quarterback, or maybe maybe they maybe they go this direction for a player they could use in a year or two. But if you're bringing back everyone, then you're you're going for another Super Bowl. So I want a player, even if they're not starting, that can make an impact for me right now. And usually that's a player on the defensive side of the ball because you're going to rotate players around and do a little bit of that. So I wonder if they just draft a really productive, good player who falls. Um, that you know was projected to go earlier in the first round and falls down. Uh, maybe a player like Greg Rousseau, the defensive end out of Miami, I think could be interesting to add a little more pass rush versatility, have a player that can play inside, play a little bit of 
the uh, the five or three technique if they need him to, and, and can play uh, in the wide nine if they need him to as well. So someone that was highly touted earlier kind of fell down the board a little bit. Uh, I, I could see that being intriguing for them, but they're they're going to be one of the toughest picks to mock for that first round for sure. Is Urban Meyer's draft as easy as any to predict in the first round? Is he he takes Lawrence and then he takes somebody to protect him? I mean, that seems like it would be the ideal way to go. I think that's definitely um, where I'll probably project him at. There, there are some spots, there's some big spots in the defense they need, but that that value just doesn't match up for say a safety in the first round. Uh, so I, th- I think if the Jaguars draft smart, it's absolutely draft Trevor Lawrence, draft someone that can play either offensive tackle or guard, protect him. Uh, and as we saw with Cincinnati last year, I mean that needs to be top priority for your young quarterback. Real quick, Trey Sermon, man, it was such a a sad way for him to go out. No fault of his own, do it in, in, do it to an injury right there in the natty. But man, he was absolutely balling out leading up to that point. And a lot of what I see it is it's Harrison, Etienne, and all those guys up top. But w- where does he fit in in this running back kind of class for you right now? I think everyone's really sleeping on his value. I think the NFL really likes Trey Sermon to do what he did in those two games against two really good defenses in Northwestern and Clemson, I think it is going to have a big impact. Um, so one of my bold predictions, actually, is that he's going to be the third running back off the board, that he'll go ahead of Javante Williams, and um, someone's going to like him that much. And I, I know we talked about Pittsburgh and Najee Harris, but I think if, if Najee's gone, I think round two, Trey Sermon, uh, I would almost lock it in if uh, if they don't get Najee in the first. Uh, but they've had multiple meetings with him. He fits exactly what they want. Uh, so I think Trey Sermon is the second-round pick, and it wouldn't surprise me if he's the third running back off the board. Great stuff with our friend Shane P. Hallam at Fake Pigskin. Thanks, my man. We will uh, hit you back for the draft, hopefully, and we'll dial it in even further. Thank you. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks for having me, guys. You got it. Uh, Shane was on the Bryant Heating Cooling Systems Fangest Hotline. A lot to digest there. We'll come back with an NFL two-minute drill, give you the details on the clowny signing and the latest on Aaron, Aaron Donald and his alleged predicament. That's next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Leaving your jackets flagship station since day one. All the goals, all the action, all the memories. Your home for the Columbus Blue Jackets, the fan, Ohio sports destination. Time for the NFL two-minute drill. Sponsored by Dr. Mark Levy. Stop snoring and start sleeping now. Visit sleepbettercolumbus.com today. All right, NFL two-minute drill time. We told you that Aaron Donald is facing assault charges after a guy claimed that he was involved in an incident with him at an after-hours club over the weekend in Pittsburgh. Uh, an attorney told KDKA that he plans to file criminal charges on behalf of his client, who was allegedly assaulted by Aaron Donald. And then this is new, Maddie, and others on Sunday between the hours of 3 and 4 in the morning. Now, the attorney provided a photo to KDKA, which has been out there showing his injuries that he allegedly suffered at the club, which is on the south side of Pittsburgh. And it's you know pretty gruesome. And it says here that he claims that Aaron Donald and others who were with him began punching him after he accidentally bumped into him. Talking about concussion, arm injury, broken arm, 16 stitches near his eye. His eye was swollen shut, and he has filed charges. Donald hasn't commented. The Rams haven't commented. 
I wouldn't expect anything very soon, but I would expect Donald's lawyer to come out with some sort of response on A, did you do it, and if you did, why? Yeah. The the others part of it adds another angle that I don't know if we had earlier because that can take it down a road. It was actually him that was throwing the punches and doing all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So we're going to need more details about it. But on the surface now, when you've got the defensive player of the year and one of the faces of the league wrapped up in this, it ain't what you want. But we've seen similar stories to this where athletes have gotten into things off the field and we don't know what started it and are people just trying to start crap with you because you're Aaron Donald or was this something that Aaron Donald started we don't know um, but the picture and all the details that have come along with some of the injuries it ain't good man it's just obviously isn't what you want so it's kind of a wait and see story for sure but right now uh, the league is uh, uh, not loving this that's for sure yeah told you about Jadavian Clowney and while I don't think you go crazy about it, you certainly don't mind having him. I'll put it that way. And I don't think the price tag was at a point where it'll be debated today that the Browns screwed up here. I, I don't see that at all. I think there's a lot of wait and see as far as Clowney goes as well. It's a one-year contract. It's worth up to $10 million. Uh, He's coming off a season. He missed half the season with a knee injury. He had to pass that physical. Apparently he did. Um, Browns, you know, had the 12th lowest sack rate in the NFL, about 2.2 per game. So this should help. Hopefully he'll get in on the action and on the fun. But when you start thinking about what they got now with Garrett, Clowney, uh, Ward, John Johnson III, Grant Delpit, uh, there's there's something going on up there that makes you feel like, yeah, they're, they're being hyped for a reason. This is coming off a playoff year. It's coming off a year where now they have to make a move with what they have, and they feel good about it. So, Browns well, fans should. should feel very good. Yeah, they should feel good about the team that they have. They should have felt good over the last couple of years about the team that they have. But even now, where they got a little seasoning on this squad, you love it. You absolutely do. And for look, for Clowney, it's kind of a okay thing for me. I'm with you. Like, you'd rather have them. Then not, especially when you need a running mate opposite Miles Garrett and the Olivier Vernon experiment probably hasn't worked out the way that all Browns Nation has wanted it to. But let's see it. I don't even know if he has to rack up a ton of sacks with Miles Garrett, but how many quarterback pressures are we going to get mm-hmm. from Miles Garrett? How, how many third down situations are we going to run into to where he's cranking up the heat? Because that's important to me too. Like sacks don't have to be the end all be all for defensive end or defensive lineman. But you better be able to create some type of pressure. And that's what we got to see from Jadavion Clowney here moving forward because he's not going to have any excuses to use. Everybody's game planning to slow down Miles Garrett because he is a cold, cold dude out there on the field. But I want to see this from Clowney before I heap any type of praise on him. I'm actually more excited about the other pieces on defense that you touched on that they brought in from L.A., especially when you talk about Johnson and Hill coming over slot corner and Hill. Those guys were two pieces of the number one defense in the league or one of the best defenses in the league a season ago. So they shore some of that stuff up on the back end, and a guy like Clowney starts to crank up some consistent heat. Then we're talking. I'm all in with that formula. But I got to see it from Clowney first before I I get excited about it for Cleveland. Yeah, the NFL dudes aren't jumping into this offseason pool so quickly as far as workouts and all that. I don't know if you've seen some of the stories circulating today, Maddie, but like the Broncos and the Seahawks and Tampa, the Lions, now the Patriots have released a statement regarding participation in voluntary offseason workouts. Um, 
And so this is kind of an interesting deal that they that many of them won't participate in the voluntary workouts. Uh, the NFL is planning on these off-field, off-season workouts for all players from May 24th through June 18th. But I've been seeing a lot of the kind of a boycott of this situation. Have you seen the same? Absolutely. It won't be surprised yeah. if we get a large chunk of the league that hops on it because it's got a, it's got some momentum behind it. And, look, we can all kind of dive into their minds. Like, if, if you can get things done virtually, mm-hmm. you don't have to go in. So I understand it. I think it's fairly simple to me. You don't have to go in and do all the weightlifting and sit in the meeting rooms all day. Sure, you got to do it at Zoom, but you could do it from the comfort of, of your own home. So I think that's safe. what... I think that's what this is. I think it's guys that are saying, look, these are a few less trips we got to make into the facility mm-hmm. this year. Let's wait until we get into the training camp and all that stuff to do it. OTAs, we don't need it right now. I'll see you on Zoom. No. The NFLPA has got to protect these guys and say, hey, you know, we're still in this thing. You know, It's not an all-clear bell right now. Right. Yeah, they got the season shoehorned in, but uh, the offseason, I think they'll play it safe, so that makes sense to me. That is today's NFL two-minute drill. Promised you this update from yesterday. I'm surprised I remembered. Um, Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis. You and I are trying to get these two kids back together. We got a problem with one of the Jonas Brothers, who's who's shoehorned his way in. Mister Steal Your Girl. Is that is that Jonas Brothers? Or am I wrong on that? Where am I with that? Oh, it's Harry Styles. Yeah. Oh, it's Harry Styles. I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. So I'm out of touch. But I'll get to the main story here. So Olivia Wilde had to get a uh, protection order, she said, from a guy that she claims keeps showing up at her house, imagining that he's her boyfriend. It's not me. It's not you. And she's, you know, kind of venting the frustration. This guy's venting his frustration over Harry Styles. This guy's doing the dirty work for us. We did not send him in. This is not a paid actor. Okay. But she's claiming that she needed a, a, a deal to protect her family. Here's the great part about the story. It includes Sudeikis. Oh, goodness. So the weird part about the story, and when I was reading, not about this guy showing up and getting the protection order, it was what she wrote in the protection order. The judge granted Olivia's temporary restraining order, and this guy must stay 100 yards away from her, Jason and their kids at all times. It's interesting, now that she's with Harry Styles, she said in the documents, Maddie, quote, I live with Mr. Sudeikis and our two children. What? Is this done in Hollywood? Where they split up and start dating other people, but they're still living under the same (laughs) roof? It could be a There's possibility. Hope. I got to dig it on this. That's crazy. There's hope. Absolutely. Because we got to get Harry Styles, Mr. Steel, your girl up out of the, excuse me, up yeah. out of the paint. This has got to be a Sudeikis and Wild thing. He's I'm all on in the inside. on that couple. But this is, that's quite the development. He's on the inside still. <laughs> we got an angle. <laughs> we found our angle. We sure did. All right. We sure did. That's your update. We'll stay on this struggling story. All right, we'll come back tomorrow. Join us then. Rothman and Ice on the fan.